I just think that if you can say yes to every opportunity that life throws your way, especially if you have that intuitional connection feeling that something is going to happen, that you're meant to do something for a reason, listen to that intuition. Because let me tell you, if I didn't listen to mine, I would not be where I'm at today. Welcome to the Dreampreneur Podcast, a space for goal guidance, tangible strategies, and positive insight. Are you lost in a mindset that keeps you from achieving your dreams? Do you wish that you knew the steps that others have taken? What if the thing that you're most passionate about came with a paycheck? We're your hosts. I'm Alexis May. And I'm Katie Brown. Tune in weekly because we're getting real about the lessons we've learned through opening our salons and turning what started out as a side hustle into a community, a brand, a lifestyle, and so much more. We're dreampreneurs. We're here to share with you the good, the imperfect, and the ugly behind the hustle. Because it's not about the end goal. It's about the steps that you take along the journey that determines the outcome. If you're ready to work hard and get real with your personal story, pull up a chair, grab some boba, and let's start working on your dreams. Welcome back to the Dreampreneur Podcast. Today we get to hear more about Katie. And I'm so excited because she has got some stuff to tell you guys. I'm just going to be good. I'm just sitting here with a big old smile on my face, like <laughs> slightly frozen. <laughs> and you know, but I'm excited. You know, it's it's so good. Katie has so much to share, and I'm so excited for you guys to get to know more about this incredible person that is sitting across from me. So, thanks, buddy. You know, <laughs> I love this girl. So I want you to tell us um, a little intro about you. All right. Okay. So I own a salon. In Orange County, California. The name of my salon is Goodness Gracious. We have four hairstylists, including myself. And doing hair has always been a passion of mine. I have worn a lot of hats in this industry since I've been a licensed cosmetologist. I work for Bare Minerals as a makeup artist, and I eventually became a freelance artist for them. I started a on-site luxury bridal hair and makeup company, which originally was called Beach City Brides, but after about like almost 10 years actually of having that company, I rebranded it to flow a little bit more with my vibe and my direction of the company that I had for the salon, rebranding it to Gracious Bridal. I've also started like a lot of other businesses on the side. Um, When I first started out, I kind of played around with a spray tanning business, which I actually still have at Porcelain Hair Studio in Huntington Beach. So if you're ever in Huntington Beach and you need a good tan, hit up Michelle at the Porcelain Tan Shack. (laughs) She's the best. Um, I started a Fur Mama clothing company. Because she has fur children, you guys. Two fur children. Yes. I mean, dogs, cats. It was for everybody, but... Um, we made t-shirts, tote bags, hats, all the kind of swag for pet lovers. <laughs> <laughs> Which if you're not in California, it's a thing. It's, okay? it's a thing. It's yes. a thing. Yeah. We have dog beaches here, so you got to have your tote bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but none of like those things. I actually also started like a succulent arrangement company. It was called Savvy Sucks and it just started out. <laughs> it's like the best name ever. Yeah. Well, you know, it started out as just me making arrangements for my friends for their birthdays because you can propagate succulents by just taking off a leaf and it'll grow a whole entire new plant. That's what I love about them. So I would make arrangements for my friends for like little baby showers. I would use little baby succulents and all those things. But 
um, you know, since none of those things were like my ultimate passion, I kind of felt like that's why they kind of simmered down. And I would, you know, like donate some of the clothing that we had made or like succulent arrangements to charity events and things like that. But other than that, it never really took off. So hair has always been, hair and makeup has always been like my main love and passion. So first piece, or first piece of advice from me on the podcast is if you have any hesitations about starting a company or working with somebody, um, even if it's a side hustle, ask yourself if it's something that you want to do every single day. Make sure that your whole heart is in it before you just dive in. And I hate to say it, like waste your time because you're yeah. going to learn from it, but like make sure your whole heart's in it before you just start like a new project. <laughs> That's really good advice though, because I feel like sometimes we can start stuff and not have the passion behind it because if you are really into something, it still takes a lot of work. So you better put a lot of passion into it. So if it's not something that you're ready to do every day, that's such good advice because there's, I'm sure, a ton of things that we can just check off our list right there. Yeah. And, um, okay, so tell us a little bit about, like, how you got to where you are today so people know a little bit more about that. Well, in order to figure out where you are, you basically kind of have to figure out where you've been. So... It was about like three years ago when the journey of like falling into my true authentic self really began. I was working at a salon that I loved at that time. It was in downtown Huntington Beach. And to be real, I was working like 12 to 16 hours a day, four to five days a week, and then some. And I was really, really, really burnt out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would be too. I was always looking for additional income because I knew that like I couldn't keep up what I was doing. And I was really ready for something to kind of like shake up my life. As much as I love doing hair and as much as I love my clients, I like wanted more. How can you not, right? So it was almost my birthday. And around my birthday, I love taking time to reflect on the past and see what changes I've made, how I progressed from the previous year. That's when I realized I wasn't progressing at all. I was at a standstill. I was working as hard as I possibly could, making as much as I possibly could. So I'd hit my cap. Okay, so it was kind of a random day. I was working my little booty off and (laughs) I was getting ready to go into the salon. And I had at this time, I was like really praying for some kind of change, something to happen. And I didn't know what to do to shake up my life. That's why I was praying for it. Uh So um, I was getting ready for work. And um, I was thinking to myself about this client that I have that is a spray tan client. She's a confidence coach for women and you know, when you do a spray tan, it's really short and it's brief. So I'd kind of asked her before, like, what is it that you do for work? And she's like, oh, I'm a confidence coach for women. I was like, oh, that's really cool. So for some reason in my head, I thought to myself, um, you should reach out to her and see if she has any advice for you about maybe what to do next or just talk to her. Like it had just come to me. So that being said, like every single morning, I get ready really quick. I go to the salon and at the salon, I was mixing up color for my first client and I prop up my phone. That way I can like see their color formula and a message pops through and it's Kim, my client. And I was like, no way. That's crazy. I was just thinking about her. And that kind of thing like happens to me actually pretty often. I'm not sure if it happens to you, but it's, it's a sign. It's yeah. like a sign for something. Yeah. I totally think it's a sign. So she had, it had popped up and I thought to myself, oh, she's probably just asking me for a spray tan, but that's great because then I'll ask her when I see her about what I wanted mm-hmm. to ask her about. But it, it wasn't for a spray tan inquiry. It was um, her messaging me to tell me, hey, I've been thinking about you. And I just wanted to say if you ever wanted to meet up and go like have 
like a meeting about coaching or anything like that, I would love to do that for you. And if you ever wanted to have a class at the salon that you work at, I'd be more than happy to do that as long as I could like sell my audiobooks after or something like that. And I was just like, I read the message and I was like, this is absolutely crazy because I was thinking about messaging you this morning. I would love to meet up with you. And um, that's just what we did. So we had planned to meet up and it was, it was really crazy. It was when I actually, so I met up with her and we went to like coffee or lunch, something like that. And she Mm -hmm. had kind of asked me like, you know, what is it that you're wanting to change about your life? And I told her everything about my life that I was, what I was doing for work and that I wanted to level up. And I just didn't know how I didn't know where to go next. I think a lot of us get at that point where like, we don't know. Yeah. What what the heck do you do next? So I think it's so cool that your client's a life coach because I'm sure a lot of us could get that help with like just having them help you go through things. So you guys do an exercise. So yeah, continue your story. (laughs) Well, she had kind of told me, she was like, you know, I think what you need, because I was going to her for business coaching, thinking like, how am I going to level up in my business? She's like, I actually, I think you should start off with life coaching first and we'll go from there. And I was like, I'm down. I'm down to do whatever you want to do. Because like I said, I just had this like burning fire inside of me that I knew I was meant for something more. I just didn't know what. So our first life coaching session, she tells me that she wants me to create a timeline of my life. This was the first exercise that I did with her. And I remember how daunting of a task that it was. <laughs> I had no idea where to begin. And I am the queen of procrastination. So I remember being like, okay, I really got to get this done. So um, I decided to start out with the current year. So going month by month, actually having old planners like helped me out a lot. I don't know if you keep your old planners, but I oh manually gosh. write out everything in my planners. I just found, I don't normally... I know you were talking about this, but I just found my old planner from when I first started in the salon, and I would have my appointment schedule on there. Oh, that super was old school. really <laughs> funny. And I remember seeing it was like I had like two clients that week, and I was like, whoa! But it's cool to look back at that, and I'm so glad that I kept that because, and I don't know why I kept it, but I did, and now I want to keep all my planners because of you. It's so cool. Um, I've always, like, ever since I was pretty much in high school, <laughs> I've had, like, a handwritten planner. And I know that not everybody's like that, but it's a really cool thing to have to look back on. And originally, I just kept my old planners to remember people's birthdays. So when I got my new planner, I would transfer over, like, my birthdays and then just kind of reminisce on the year. But so I basically took some of my old planners from, like, the previous years, and I looked up the things that happened. And before I knew it, I was writing out the things that had happened to me in the third grade. <laughs> so... In order to figure out the timeline of my life, I actually interviewed my parents. I asked them, you know, questions like, what year did dad lose his job? What year did you decide to go back to school, mom? Um, What year did you do this? What year did you do that? And even though we don't realize it or necessarily remember it, all of those little things made an impact upon us, right? So it instilled some sort of emotion or belief in us. Creating a timeline of your life is one of the most freeing things that you can actually do for yourself. Having a coach to help you to see where certain insecurities and self-doubts and struggles and negativities come from, and even realizing where your best qualities come from, and the things that like you're most confident in come from, it's like a super, super powerful thing. Because the truth is, who we are is because of what's happened to us and the choices that we made for ourselves. 
And if you guys who are listening in right now have ever done like the Enneagram or anything like that, I feel like life coaching, which I've never done life coaching before, but I totally want to. And I feel like it's kind of like the Enneagram on crack because you get (laughs) to learn so much about you. And I feel like that can be so powerful in your life and your business, whatever it is, relationships, because then you do learn about your tics and kind of some of the things that you've been through. And I mean, uh, hello, if you look at what happened to you when you were in third grade, you might find things out, which we will a little bit later on. And Katie's talking today about some of the stuff that she's been through. But I want to know a little bit. So like you wrote out this timeline. So talk to us about some of that stuff that you did write out and like what makes you you okay (laughs) (laughs) so basically when I had first started this timeline I kind of thought like because she had told me write out the things in your life that stick out to you the most write out the things that are bad write out the things that are good write out the things that you feel like made you who you are and so I'm just like well I don't even really think I have anything that made me who I am. But then once I started going and once I started writing, I started to realize there's a faucet. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, there's been a lot of things that have happened in my life that have given me the sense of gratitude that I have, that have given me the sense of awareness that I have. And the reason why I want to get vulnerable and share those parts of my story with you is because I know that you have those parts to your story that you may not remember. Like back in February, I visited my sister who lives in Germany. We were talking about some of the things that had happened to us in our childhood. And I had asked her, I was like, do you remember this? And she's like, no. Do you remember this? And I was like, no. And it's like, we both have totally different memories, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that your brain just kind of blocks out and you forget. So it's, it's really interesting the things that you know, you choose to block out or you choose to forget because it was hard or it hurt or whatever reason, you know, there's a lot of things. A lot of people don't remember their childhoods. So it's very interesting. But when I started writing out the story of my life, I honestly thought to myself, like, it was kind of pointless. But once the memory started flooding back to me, it all made sense. So even though we had a roof over our head, My parents always had one solid income. We always had food in our bellies. We were always in a warm bed at night. Um, But it didn't mean that we didn't have, like, those life-altering things that happened to our family. Hold on. Let me just – because my foot's going to sleep or something. Leave that part in there. There we go. (laughs) Shimmy out. Okay. Because we're getting to the good stuff, so. So you can either choose to think that the things that happened to your life have happened to you. Or you can choose to think that it's happening for you. And I know that obviously in the moment when certain things are happening, you can't think it's happening for you. But then once a little bit of time passes and you have that time to reflect on whatever it is that happened to you, choose to think that it's happened for you. Choose to look at the positives that have come out of that situation. Choose to grow from those things, right? So for me, one of the things that stood out the most was um, my papa's death. Uh, he he was actually murdered. So yeah, it's kind of crazy to say, but like we had a family member that was murdered. Um, it was on my brother's second birthday and they lived in Richmond, California. And I'm from Vacaville, so it's about 45 minutes. My nan and my papa were always the first to show up to like family events. That night, I was actually supposed to stay the night at their house, and 
I loved staying the night with them because my papa made homemade strawberry ice cream and they spoiled me and they loved me and I had a 101 Dalmatian suitcase packed and ready to go and my mom said no. She just had a weird feeling. She was like, nope, Katie's got to stay home tonight. I need her here. I was five. Like, I was a little kid. There was no reason why I needed to be there, but my mom had that intuitional feeling that I wasn't supposed to go with them. So um, they were going to come early. Like I said, they always helped set up for the party. And I remember my mom being like, where are they? Where are they? And my dad was like, oh, I don't know. They're never like this. And this is the time before cell phones. So it's not like you could just text them and be like, where are you? And they're like, you know, OMW, on my way. <laughs> it, it wasn't like that. So um, we couldn't get a hold of them. And the party had started, I want to say. People started showing up, and the phone rang, and my sister answered it. And she tells her story, you know, from this day. And it's like, it's so different because she was older than I was. So she remembers a lot more in detail. Mm. But, um, and I actually got to hear that for the first time when I hung out with her in February and I was just like sobbing, but apparently she had answered the phone and it was my Nana and she could tell that something had happened and she handed the phone to my dad. And I just remember, you know, you know, when like somebody's on the phone and they're like, oh my God, oh my God. And you, you, your heart sinks cause you don't know what's going on, but you know, it's not good. And you're five years old. Yeah, but you're still, like, you still know. Yeah, but you're, like, little. So I feel like it's just that, like, like dun-dun-dun moment, yeah, you know? Yeah, So um, basically, after the phone hung up, my mom and my dad kind of went off. I don't remember where they went, but my grandma on my other side um, basically grabbed my sister and I and sat us down on the couch, and she kind of explained what happened, and she said... Nana, something bad happened to Nana and Papa, and your Nana is hurt, and your Papa is no longer alive. And we were just like, what? You know, and you're a little kid, and you're trying to comprehend. And so I was like, so we won't be able to see Papa again? And she's just like, no, he's gone. He died. Like, I don't remember exactly what she said, but I just remember screaming, like sitting there with my sister, and we were just like, like screaming because we wanted to see Papa again. It just didn't make any sense at all. So after that, it's like a blur. I don't remember any of it, but you know, if I were to ask my dad, I'm sure he, he went through a lot. Like it was, it was crazy. You know, I mean, losing your parent like that. So just abruptly, it's freaking horrible. But what happened was they were at a gas station and the windows were down. My papa was filling up the car. My nana was in the passenger seat. And a man with schizophrenia came up to the window and he told my nana, hi, I have something I want to show you or something like that. And he pulled out a knife and he started stabbing her, which is freaking crazy oh to think about. Um, I can't even imagine. Yeah, like so horrible. Like my poor, my poor nana, you know, like, and let me paint a picture for you. My nana, my papa are... They were the sweetest, most God-loving, uh, sweetest couple. You make me want to know them just they, through, like, hearing about them. They were them. the best people. I want a hug from them. <laughs> yeah. Their hugs were magical. <laughs> but we actually just lost my Nana this past year. And the reason why, not this year, but the year before in 2018, the reason why we got 
to have Nana for so long was because my papa ran around the car and pulled the guy off of him, of her. And when he did, um, the guy turned around and stabbed him directly in the heart. So he died pretty much right there. Apparently there was a woman at the gas station that saw it all go down. A bunch of people were at the gas station, pinned the guy to the ground. Um, this woman swooped up my nana and my papa, threw them in the back of the car, rushed them to the hospital, but I'm pretty sure my papa died before they made it to the hospital. I just can only imagine how like traumatic that day was for everybody at that gas station. And to be honest, like you can't help but picture something like that in your mind. So pretty much anytime I get gas now, I'm like paranoid looking around. I mean, in public, honestly, like I'm paranoid sometimes. I'll see people and we live in Costa Mesa, which is one of the most like um, rehabilitation centers in like the world. Like there's the most rehabilitation centers here. And so there's a lot of sick people. There's a lot of people with mental illness. There's a lot of people talking to themselves, walking down the street. And I just, I think maybe a long time ago, I was really upset when I would see people like that. But now I just feel like this whole different sense of sorrow and sadness and I just I pray for them when I see them and yeah so I did a lot of research for a long time on schizophrenia because the man that killed my papa is now free I think he was let out of prison shortly after this all went down my nana was not informed nobody told my nana she actually I don't know if she ran into him or how she found out about it but she found out and was totally freaked out he had only been living about 45 30 to 45 minutes away from her mm-hmm. And their thing was, how come this guy gets to go free and see his grandchildren when Papa's gone and he doesn't he doesn't get that? And, you know, my Nana has to live with the memories of all this stuff. So that was really, really traumatic for my family. But what it taught me, what I got out of that, what I choose to get out of that is that anything can change at any point in your life. You wake up today, and even though you have a plan for today, that doesn't mean you get to fulfill those plans, okay? That doesn't mean that you get to do all the things on the to-do list. I guarantee all the people that died today, they had plans for tomorrow. They had plans for next week. They had plans to vacation next year. So wake up every day with that kind of gratitude. That's what I wake up with. Anytime that I'm having a bad day, anytime that I lose that sense of gratitude, I take a moment and it comes rushing back to me. I choose to be thankful for my mind. I choose to be thankful that my family has strong minds, that we have, you know, the ability to have gratitude over hatred. So there's that. Um, And then, you know, on my timeline, I remember a huge thing that happened when I was younger. I was probably like eight years old at this point. And our family was super close, pretty big. Um, my mom's side of the family is split. So, um, even though they were split up and divorced, like they all kind of still got together for like Christmases and birthdays. So it was like really, really big celebrations. I remember going over to my grandfather's house on like, um, Christmas Eve and there'd be like mounds of presents for everybody because there was just so many people there. Right. So I was like eight years old and, um, my step-grandfather apparently had like touched me in an inappropriate way. 
And I had told my mom, my mom had always told my sister and I, like, if anybody touches you here, you let me know. Like, she never said who or what, but she just said, you know, these are your private places and you tell me if anything happens. So I had told her, I said, we got a swimming pool and I was in the swimming pool and everybody else had gone inside. I think they were cooking. It was like a family gathering. And I remember what happened don't necessarily really want to say it, but he was just like playing with me and he had touched me in the wrong area. And later that day I had told my mom, Hey mom, you remember when you told me to tell you if anybody touches me and it feels like weird, if it's like weird, she was like, yeah. And I had told her what had happened and she was just like, Oh my gosh. And basically she called her sister right away. was just like, it, it just escalated so quickly. I remember. And that, step-grandfather and my grandma lived across the street so it was like we could walk to their house you know and I was very close with my grandma at that time and um I'm like trying to remember it all but basically we didn't see my mom for the rest of that night um except for my aunt came and she lived from like about 45 minutes away so it was a big deal for her to come into town and she came and they went over to my grandma's house and like you just knew that like things were unfolding that bad things were happening. And I felt like I was the reason for it all. I was like, am I going to get in trouble? Like, did I do something bad? Like what's going to happen? And so, um, everybody reassured me that I wasn't in trouble, that everything was going to be fine, that it was a good thing that I spoke up. Um, but it didn't feel that way at the time because I felt like everybody was really mad, you know? And when you're a kid, you can't comprehend it. So after that, Basically, my grandparents moved away and they moved like probably an hour away. Um, my, I'm pretty sure my grandpa on the other side of the family kind of took me um, to his house with my step grandma and they just made sure that I was okay and that I wasn't, you know, messed up from that. And I wasn't, I didn't understand it at the time. I think what messed me up was feeling like I had broken apart the family. And then there was the ripple effect of every single birthday, every single Christmas, every single thing after that was not the same. And I felt like that was my fault for a long time. But then I realized that my step-grandpa, even though he was a good man, he was a good person. And I know that you're probably thinking right now, like, what? (laughs) Yeah. No, because you can be a good person and you can still be sick. You know, you can, the only reason that, he did that was because it probably happened to him when he was a kid Mm. and he never got help and now all these things are so much more open and they're so much more out in the real world that people are able to get help they're able to speak up you know it's not something that we hide anymore it's like hey this happened to me and if it happened to you like let's be in this together because in reality like we're all in this life together right so that being said I ended up finding out that he had done what he did to me on a whole nother level to other women in my family. He had hurt a lot of women, not like, I mean, as far as I know, not like bad, 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 but like hurt them to the point where like they didn't feel like they had a voice anymore. You know, that they, they had to be shushed and that's not okay. It's not okay. I'm sure there's a ton of women that are going to be listening right now and 100% connecting with your story and, and either feeling the guilt that you felt or were silented. Somebody very important to me was silented. And 
that that was the reason why the family broke apart was because when it happened to me, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And that person, she never got to have her voice be heard. She never, she never got that love and support that she needed. And I hope that if it happens to you, that you, you reach out and you have the courage to speak up because it can change so many people's lives if you do. Your story is important and it's meant to be heard. And I hope that you choose to look at the things that have happened to you um, as it's not happened to you, it's happened for you. And it's happened for so many other people. So you can make a difference with, with your story. Wow, Katie, that was so heavy. And I just want to say thank you. I have not gone through the things that you have gone through, but I want to say thank you for sharing your story and opening up about that because that is heavy stuff. And I would not look at you and think that all of those things happened to you. Like it's, amazing that you were able to get vulnerable with everyone on there. So are there anything, is there anything else that you look at on your timeline and you're like, wow, okay. So this really did shape some stuff for me from a child as well. Totally. Like I was bullied a lot in elementary school, middle school, high school. I think we all are. It's just how we deal with it. Right. But I was a sensitive kid and I took everything to heart. Like any kind of insult that came my way, I took it on as my own, right? Like I took it on as it was part of me. Instead of owning who I am and feeling okay in my own skin, I took it all on. So, so you let other people label you. I let other people label me because I didn't know any different, right? Yeah. My family, I mean, they were great. They told me I was pretty mm-hmm. and that it was okay. But I had those insecurities from other kids that I, you know, I let that happen. But I didn't know any difference. So... I mean, one of those was just that I was really, really pale. And that stuck with me all the way throughout high school. And basically, as soon as I could get a tanning membership, I did. I worked at a tanning salon in high school. I had competitions with my friends and who could get the most tan. Did you do the little stickers on your hip? I did the little stickers on my hip. I did too. Yeah. I went to tan <laughs> like two times and I did a heart on my hip. Ridiculous. Yeah. No, I totally was into that. I mean, that was definitely a 90s thing. But you know, that led to me suffering later in life and having skin cancer removed off my body. Like I literally just had to have surgery two years ago to have a one inch deep, one inch wide piece cut out of my leg. And every six months I have to go back into the dermatologist to have more cut off me because of what I did when I was 16. So, you know, there is um, a repercussion to tanning beds so don't do it (laughs) i know don't do it not worth it get some sunless tanner (laughs) all natural organic sunless tanner but yeah so you know look at your life look at the timeline of your life and really figure out where are those things that have made me me from the bad and from the good so i guess we can get into the good now (laughs) make it a little bit lighter now that we've seen a lot of things that have kind of shaped who you are some monumental hard things I would love to know about like the business side of Katie. So let's talk a little bit about that and kind of where your your hustle side came in. Inner hustler Katie was born in high school. So um, because I was bullied a lot and because I just kind of really felt like I never fit in, I loved to work. I 
wanted to have my own money because like I said, even though my parents provided a roof over our heads, we were taken care of. If we wanted anything extra at all, like extra clothes, extra shoes, if we wanted new new shoes, you know, anything like that, we had to buy it ourselves. So I never wanted to ask my parents for money because they would always say no. So I got a job as soon as I could. And I remember my dad telling me, don't do it. As soon as you get a job, you'll be working the rest of your life. And I'm like, I want to do it. Like, <laughs> like, you're like, that sounds great. I want to buy my own stuff. Yeah. So um, I worked with my uh, best friend, Marissa, and her grandmother was the chef at the Elks Lodge. And we ran food every like Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. I was 15 years old. I spilt cake on a man's Burberry suit. <laughs> oh Purple cake. my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Got yelled at by his wife. It was fun. But I learned a lot at that job. And, you know, by the time I was 16, I was working two jobs. And I decided that going to school wasn't really my jam because, like I said, just felt like I never really fit in. So, and at that time, you know, my parents, my dad was, you know, building his company that he was working with. And um, my mom, she had just gotten hired on at a hospital. She went back to school later in life and became, um, she's in the medical field. So um, my parents really needed me. My sister had gone away to college and she was the one who kind of like really helped raise my brother and I. And um, I needed to step in and I knew it. And my mom was always in the best mood when the house was clean and dinner was on the table when she came home. And my dad, working a lot, he couldn't really do that. And mind you, they still live on a five-acre ranch that I grew up on. So my dad handled a lot of the outside responsibilities and somebody needed to take care of the inside. So I knew that my mom would be in a good mood if she came home to a clean house. So I would ditch school, come home, clean the house, get dinner ready, pick up my little brother from school. And I wanted to work. I wanted to make money. So I got a job at a salon when I was 16. That salon was crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, it was kind of like you in your story, how you said that it kind of gave you a bad taste in your mouth of, you know, what a what bad vibe salon was. is like, you yeah. know? And I remember being like, I always wanted to do hair. I grew up seeing my cousin do hair. I loved going with her to her salon. It was like a special treat. So I was always inspired by her and I always wanted to be a hairstylist. Like I was that girl in high school that was like, let me do your hair for prom. Let me do your makeup. And my dad knew that. My dad, I'm exactly like him. Like I'm an entrepreneur. I like to work for myself. I don't want to answer to anybody. And honestly, that's probably why I like I didn't drop out of high school because I did what was called independent study. It's very similar to homeschool. You basically check in once a week, you turn in your paperwork, you take your quizzes, you ask your teacher any questions if you have it, and then you leave. So I was able to work and um, I worked at a salon and it was crazy. So I basically decided after working at that salon, I didn't want to go to hair school. And I remember my dad was like, Katie, you are meant to do hair. You're meant to be your own boss. You're meant to create. And he made a deal with me. He said, I will help you with school, pay for school, but you have to at least go take a look at beauty colleges. And I was like, oh, you know, that like teenager, right? I don't want to go. Dad doesn't know anything. Yep. So <laughs> I decided I still want to be creative. I still want to be like my own boss. So I had fully enrolled in FITM and I was going to go to FITM in San Francisco. And FITM's just like ridiculously expensive. So my dad was like, please, dear God, no. <laughs> but we'd made that deal. So um, I went with him. He made appointments at like all the local beauty schools and he dragged me there. And 
I had basically done my research because if he was going to make me do it, I was going to look up the best school. And I remember being like, Dad, I want to go to Paul Mitchell. And he was like, what? Okay, let's go check it out. So we went and... You're like, if you're going to pay for it, you're going to make me go to an expensive <laughs> school around. <laughs> yeah. So um, we went and looked at Paul Mitchell. I took a tour and literally, you know, like the butterfly tinglies where everything just feels right and like you're meant to be. I just remember being like, oh my gosh, like this is where I'm meant to be. This is like what's going to fuel me. And my dad was like, of course, you pick the most expensive <laughs> beauty school. But I loved it. Beauty school was the only school that I really felt like I was thriving. Like I really just loved it so much. I loved going every day. I loved it so much that I finished school in nine months. And I remember the dean called me into his office and he was like, um, Katie, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're at 1600 hours next week. And I'm like, no, don't tell me that. Like, no. And he's like, for real, mm-hmm. I'm confused. Well, Paul Mitchell, yeah, Paul Mitchell has the Be Nice. Um, they the Be Nice team, the Be Green team, design team, and I was on all the teams. Oh, okay. I was the leader of like all the teams. I loved, <laughs> I loved school. I wanted to be there all the time. I thought I, I was extra Katie. No, you just took it to a whole new level. Yeah, and then I would leave school, and then I would go work at Mary's Pizza Shack all the way into the evening. So let me tell you, like hustler Katie, I had a vision. I knew what I wanted. I mean, I wanted to be successful and I wanted to make money, and I did it. And guess what? After I got off work, I had people come over to my mom and dad's house and I did everything. I literally waxed girls like I waxed their (laughs) hoo-hahs. I waxed their (laughs) eyebrows. I installed extensions into the wee hours of the night and I wake up the next day and go to school and do it all over again because I saw the dream. I saw the vision. So that is where the inner hustler was born. I had a lot of jobs in high school. I also cheered in high school. I did... I did all the things because I really think that life is meant to be lived and enjoyed and experienced. And we all have that opportunity to like really take life by the reins. Like, why not? We've got one. You've got one chance, one chance to live it and love it and make a difference. And why not? Well, and I love that because exploring all those different things is how you find out where you feel good in. Like if your dad didn't drag you to that school, you wouldn't have walked in and been like, I'm meant to be here, you know? So Mm -hmm. being that yes girl and saying yes to opportunities and just saying yes to all the things is how you really find out who you are, where you're meant to be and what makes you happy. Right. It's crazy though, because I remember going to FITM and I remember being like, oh my gosh, I don't like San Francisco. I don't like the city. And I was going to have to basically drive to Vallejo from my parents' house, which is 45 minutes, get on a ferry, take the ferry from Vallejo to San Francisco, then go from there, take the um, train or whatever it is they have in San Francisco to the downtown area where the school is, go to school and then do that coming back home. That's when it says red flag. Yeah, but I didn't want to have like the salon life that I had seen in high school when I worked at the salon so bad that I was like, well, I want to be a creator and this is the next best thing, you know? So I, in order to get into FITM, you have to make, um, there's like different things. I'm sure it's different now, but at the time you had to make a catalog of a storefront. So my store was called Dressed Up and everything was dresses. And I remember when I was making this catalog, I just felt like it wasn't right. Like I was good at it and it was okay, but I was dreading it. It was like, it wasn't fun for me. But then going to Paul Mitchell was totally fun. So basically, flash forward, um, graduating Paul Mitchell, I got a job right away um, at an Aveda salon in the Sacramento area, which is like 
35, 40 minutes from my parents' house, maybe about an hour actually. It's called Roseville is where I got the job, the Roseville Galleria. So I was so pumped because this was like a big salon. It was so cool. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And they offered me a job before I had even graduated. And I was just like, what? Like, this is amazing. Such a cool opportunity. Like, oh my gosh. You like run in the closet, pat yourself on the back. And you're like, okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was part of the design team. And I remember I had a modeling job for, oh my gosh, a tanning company. And it was called California Sun. And the hairstylists that were doing the hair and makeup for the fashion show that I was in the girl that did my hair was the owner of the salon. And she's like, what are you like? Are you going to school? And I was like, yeah, I'm in beauty school. And she's like, oh my gosh, that's so cool when you graduate. And I was like, I graduate next month. She's like, you should come to my salon and check it out. We would love to have you. And so I did a trial. I did like a partial highlight and a haircut on a girl that I had met in a retail store next door. And they loved me. They were like, yeah, like, come on, we would love to have you, whatever. So I just felt on top of the world. I got my best friend in beauty school a job there too, and we decided to get an apartment in Roseville. So now I'm living in the greater Sacramento area. I have a job at a salon. I'm about to take state board. I'm so fired up, and I fail state board. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, I had an entire thing of quats dumped on me. I actually, it wasn't on me. It was on my model that I had brought. This is when we still had live models for state board. Which, for people who don't know what quats is. Quats is a sanitization solution. It's the very first step of state board. And if you mess it up, <laughs> you're donezo, which is what happened to me. So I think everybody in the room failed that day. It was horrible. And um, your state board exam is a really long exam. There's a practical and a written. It's in a silent room. You can't talk at all. You have to remember every single step. You're so nervous. And then to have that happen, it just threw everything off and you're timed and it was, it was awful. So I remember failing and being like, how am I going to go back to the salon that already hired me and embarrassingly tell them that I failed state board? I spoke at my Paul Mitchell graduation Oh my God, it was so embarrassing. But you know, you have to swallow your pride and you just do what you do. So I had gone back to the owner of the salon, told her what happened, and she so graciously made a spot for me as a receptionist. So now, I don't know if you know this either, but in salons, like big salons, there's a stigma of everybody be mean to the receptionist because the receptionist is not worthy, you know? Okay, well, then you and I would have been friends because I always made friends with the receptionist. That's and I what did you their do hair. if you're smart. Yeah, because they're going to be the one booking your appointments. Well, <laughs> oh my gosh, they were so mean to me. They <sighs> ate me alive. And I'm just, you know, a young, blonde. I was a young, blonde, cute girl coming into a salon where a lot of the women were middle-aged and really unhappy with themselves. So they sorry. took it out on you. Sorry, not sorry. Honestly, they were super mean to me. Like, I remember taking a class in the salon and being just like so excited to learn and there was a woman that was she had triplets that were probably like seven or eight so she's like a grown woman and she's sitting in front of me and I had raised my hand to ask a question in this hair class that we're taking and I was like you know I asked my question and then literally she goes nee, 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 right after I spoke and I, I was just like what like what? Like, why am I, why am I in this place? You know? So I stuck it out. I mean, the stylists there were so mean, but some of them were nice. Like there was a lot of them that were nice, but they just, a lot of them thought they were really cool. And that's what happens with hairstyles. So anyways, I was there for about eight months and I was just like, this is not me. And so I had told my best friend, that was my roommate at the time. I told her this, <laughs> my boat 
is set and sail to Southern California <laughs> and you can jump on it and come with me or you can stay here and and drowned <laughs> in <this> environment <laughs> well I mean she was thriving there and you know she had a boyfriend and everything but she decided to come with and that was great and I was so excited so she was with a boyfriend for a really long time ended up breaking up with her boyfriend and moving down south with me and I was like single friend we're gonna take on the world <laughs> and we moved down here and then she ended up dating a guy right away that was not from this country and he they ended up being in an abusive relationship verbally physically and we got a puppy that was a mistake and we all lived in one apartment and he had the hots for me. So that was really oh, awkward. Gosh. Yeah. So honestly, that time in my life, seeing my best friend get brainwashed, being completely alone, moving to a brand new place, like that was an all time low. Like I remember one night sitting in the shower, just like crying and just being like, why did I move here? What did I do? I know I'm meant to be here. Like the very first time I came to Huntington Beach, I knew that there was something here for me and I didn't know what, but I was so, I was just like, God, why did you bring me here? What am I here for? What am, what is here for me? I know something's here for me. I know something big is here for me. What is it? So that being said, flashing on forward, they end up moving to Sacramento. I end up moving in with one of my clients, actually, he was pretty cool. And um, around that time is when I met my husband and everything kind of fell into place about when I was 21 years old and I knew I was like okay this is why I meant to be here everything just started to fall into place so basically I living in Southern California just met my husband I had one of the coolest jobs of my life I actually okay so when I first moved here I was working at a salon I got another job at a salon across the street which was at a really cool store that I loved so much it was called Model Citizen um, they taught me a lot about clothes and Sandy, the owner, she's one of the best people in the world. She gave me the opportunity because she knew that I needed to build my clientele and what greater of a place to build your clientele than right across the street from the salon that you're working at, at a trendy, cute clothing store. Guess what I also did? I also transferred and worked at Bear Essentials in the South Coast Plaza and that was before I became a freelance artist with them. I had a fourth job. I was a promotional model for Pacifico, Patron, um, a was, bunch of alcohol. I was waiting for that to come in. <laughs> well, but honestly, like, that was one of the coolest jobs in my life because I got paid a super high hourly pay. Yeah. I got to travel all over, not the world, but the U.S. I got to go to Chicago, um, Florida, Hawaii, like, three times. And every single time we traveled with Pacifico, they put us up in suites. They paid for our swimsuits. And all we had to do, this is, I'm not even kidding you guys. All we had to do was put on a bikini, be at the start line. And then the, um, it was like, they were basically trying to make stand-up paddle boarding um, like a super sport. So they had hired, not hired, but they had a bunch of pro surfers from all over the world that they had brought into the Waterman Series competition that they were trying to make paddle boarding a sport, like a super sport. So we were like, yay, go. And then we just had to get to the end destination. We'd kind of like go shopping in the middle, lay on the beach, get a tan. And then they would basically text us and be like, hey, the guys are coming back in about 10 minutes. We'd be like, yay, good job. And that was it. We took pictures for calendars. Like, I was like, what is this life I'm living? This is crazy. <laughs> but I did that up until I met my husband. And I mean, while that job was glamorous and fun, there was also like jobs where 
I got my butt squeezed in a bar from a sleazy dude because it's promotional modeling. So what are you doing? You're working for like ultimate vodka Patron and you're going to bars and you're handing out shots and sleazy guys want to take their picture with you. And I was just like that Waterman series had ended. I wasn't traveling anymore. I wasn't doing the cool jobs. And I was just like, this isn't worth it. Like I need to build up my salon clientele so that way I can get out of what I'm doing now. It's kind of like, you know. It was kind of like a shiny object that you were like, ooh, I'm going to go do this and yay. But and it was fun, to... but then the fun ended. Yeah. And it ended at the right time. I mean, that's when I met Billy and he was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? <laughs> and, um, you know, he helped me to really like hone in on the bigger picture and what it is that I wanted for my life. So I was working at City Salon and um, it's no longer there, but it used to be on Main Street in Huntington. And I remember it was New Year's Day. I could barely afford my rent, even though I was working at all these jobs and places. And uh, the owner came up to me and she was like, hey, girl, I want to tell you something. I'm going to be raising your rent. And I was like, what? I can't even afford the rent I'm paying now. Like there would be days that I would sit at that salon for about 12 hours. My mom would call me and she'd be like, hey, honey, how's it going? Did you make any money today? And I'd be like, I'm negative $150. And she's like, oh, dear Lord, (laughs) you want to just come home? And even though I could have just given up, I could have just come home. Why? Like, what would it all be for? No, I knew in my heart and my soul that there was a reason why I was meant to be there. So I stuck it out. And I remember I just started dating Billy and I was crying on the steps in front of my salon. And he was in the military at the time and he, I had called him and I was like, I got bad news. Like, I don't know what to do. And he came and he sat with me and he said, babe, you know, I know that we're really new to dating each other, but I'm in the military and I get a set amount of pay. And if you need my help, like I can help you. He's like, I think you need to leave the salon and I think you need to move on. And I said, what if it's, what if it's not good? What if it sucks? And he goes, what if it's the best thing that ever happened to you? And I was like, oh my gosh, he's Mr. Brightside. And it just, it gave me the inspiration to leave. And when I left, I went to my next salon, Porcelain Hair Studio, where I worked for five years. I met some of the best friends I've ever had. The owner of that salon, she's one of my closest friends. And it was at that time, like about five years, I built there. That's where I built my spray tan business. It's where I stopped working at Model Citizen. I stopped doing freelance for um, Bare Essentials. And I was able to make a living, like a really good like income, just doing hair. I hired my first assistant there. And it was because of that salon that I was able to build enough clientele to open my own place. And um, that's when our network marketing company kind of came into my life at the right time. I basically, I couldn't sell the products that, or even talk about the products that I was loving and enjoying at the salon that I was working at. And I knew it was time to move on because I wanted to be able to talk about whatever I wanted to talk about. And I had the clientele to do so. Because you didn't like people being your boss. Nope. No. If anybody (laughs) tells me what to do, I'm like, "Mm -hmm, no. So, (laughs) I mean, you know, even though it was a great place to work, I was ready to spread my wings. I've always wanted to have a salon, especially my own place that I could decorate. I'm very particular. I don't want, I want to play my own music. I want to have essential oils going. I want to, I just want to create the vibe, right? So um, I opened up a small salon right next door to my old salon, and it was great because the owner of um, the Suites building that I opened my first salon in, she also owned that salon, so she was supportive of it. And um, I realized after eight months of working there, I was working in a dark space, 
that was a suite. So it was a dark space. And I worked for 12 to 14 hours. So I was working in darkness for 12 to 14 hours. So I'd get to work and it's dark, leave work and it's dark. And I just kind of like slumped into a depression. So that's when I decided to move to Porcelain Luxury Salon Suites, which is a big, beautiful building. And that's where my salon is now. That's how I met Alexis. And I just think that if you can say yes to every opportunity that life throws your way, especially if you have that intuitional connection feeling that something is going to happen, that you're meant to do something for a reason, listen to that intuition. Because let me tell you, if I didn't listen to mine, I would not be where I'm at today. I would not be sitting here with Alexis. I would not be talking to you guys on this podcast. And I really think that this podcast is going to help so many people and it's going to open up so many doors for so many people. Like I really do think that everything that we're doing now is building the future. So look at life like it's a big picture and you're painting it as you go. Not only that, but what I love is that all these steps that you've taken, even if some of them sucked, it still got you to that next point. It still got you from, you know, the the bad to the good. And then when you got to the good, then you had some bad happen, you know, when you're sitting on that step with Billy and you're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? You know, like I think it's so hard because some people look at our, our life situations and we just have these like negative feelings about stuff. And it's like, well, what happens if you go through something really hard that leads you to something really amazing? Like we have to just kind of get through it and take it and be like, okay, what can I learn from the situation? And next, yeah, you know, because I'm not saying that your intuition is going to lead you to all greatness all the time. Your intuition is going to lead you to where you're meant to be, but that doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. That doesn't mean that terrible people aren't going to enter your life because I've had a lot of bad friends mm-hmm. along the way. I've had a lot of people that have tried to hurt me along the way. But guess what? I look at the situation as it's not happening to me. It's happening for me. And when you change your mindset to that, it's a powerful thing. It's a beautiful, powerful thing. So what is, if you could tell yourself one thing or what would like what would you tell yourself if you were your 18-year-old self And you wanted to look back and be like, Katie, let me tell you about your life. Like, let me tell you, what would you give yourself as a pep talk? I would tell myself absolutely nothing. And I would let myself go through the journey that I went through because it's led me to where I'm at today and the mindset of where I'm at today. So that way I can help a bunch of other people. I would say, you do you and you go for it, girl. You just follow your intuition. You do you, boo-boo. You do you, (laughs) boo-boo. Exactly. I wouldn't change a thing. I love that. You wouldn't change the course of where you went because you're happy with where you are now. Exactly. Thank you guys so much for listening to my story. I know it's long. Both of our stories are long. But the whole point of these is to really connect with you and have you connect with us. So then that way in the future, you know that we're not just talking out of our butts. We are telling the truth and it's coming from the heart. We've been through some stuff. I mean, freaking Katie had a sassy sucks business. You know what I mean? Like we've savvy been through, sucks. Savvy sucks. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Sassy. I'm all sassy sucks. By the you way, know? you can still look it up on Instagram. S-A-A-V-Y-S-U-C-C-S. You can see all of my succulent creations. So it's like we've had some like great things that were like, oh, that's such a genius idea. And then other things that's like, you know, so it's just you guys are going to learn from us with us and we're taking you on this journey so that was the you know things that have happened to us before and katie has so much that she just said and there's going to be so much more that we're going to learn because i 
I've learned stuff every single time she says something about (laughs) her, you know, so I love it. Thank you, Katie, for sharing. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to the first couple of episodes. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star review letting us know what you loved. And if something spoke to you, screenshot this episode and share it on the gram tagging at the Dreampreneur Podcast. That way we can see what speaks to you in order to serve this community and give back in the ways you need it most. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.